This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Jack Cotterell. And I'm Aaron Parnas. And this is Zoomed In. On this episode of Zoomed In, Aaron and I start off by hitting the headlines, talking about a new Axios poll that reveals a lot about how Gen Z will be voting in 2022. After that, Aaron and I jump into an awesome interview with TikTok activist Harry Sisson and finish up, as we always do, with Tweets of the Week. Aaron, ready for this episode? Jack, I'm so ready. And, you know, I just want to jump right in and talk about a big headline I saw this week. And it's an Axios poll that recently came out showing that young people are overwhelmingly voting Democrat. And now this poll came out and it shows that young people under the age of 29, between the ages of 18 and 29, 60% of those individuals identify as a Democrat, um, whereas only 36% identified as a Republican with the remaining 6%. Yeah, that couldn't do math for a second. The remaining 6% were a third party. Now that's a pretty big deal. And it oftentimes when people say, listen, like, What's the future? How are Democrats going to win? How are we going to keep the House, the Senate, the White House? The answer is young people, because that is the voting bloc that's going to make or break these elections. And Jack, hearing those numbers, I mean, what's your initial reaction? You know, we've talked about the effect that Gen Z is going to have in, in kind of understanding the political power that we can already capitalize on. We've said this many times. Me personally, I think in the summer of 2020, when everyone was stuck at home, that is when Gen Z really realized how far we could take our impact. And that was specifically my favorite example of that was you remember Trump's Oklahoma rally when he was like, it's going to be a million people. It's going to be sold out. There's going to be two arenas. And then no one showed up because it was just Zoomers like us on TikTok reserving seats, to like juice the numbers and make him think he had this big crowd for his big return and he fell flat on his face. And, you know, that was a funny example of us being like, let's make fun of, let's con the the president, right? Let's make the president look bad. And it worked, and we got in his head, and that is always a fun thing to do. But also, at that time, like, a light switch kind of went off. And we said, oh, okay, I guess we can actually affect change, and we can do it from our bedroom, right? Like, we're stuck at home, but we can get some stuff done. So you have, uh, you have, activists emerging online, spreading the message of what is important to young people. Uh, And I think that that's going to translate even more so than it did in 2020 with just the activism, but into into actual votes, right? Those 17-year-olds are now 19. Those 16-year-olds are now 18. Those 18-year-olds like us, you know, well, like myself when I was 18 in 2020, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm geared up. I'm ready to go. I've done this once. I know what to do. Let's do it again. Let's uh, let's keep Democrats in the Senate and, and Democrats in the House. No, I, I agree with you. And, you know, oftentimes we as young people, we get the criticism from older generations saying like, oh, you weren't around during the civil rights movement. You weren't around during the Vietnam War. You didn't see how we protested on the ground. You guys have it easy. That may be the case. We weren't around back then. And I have the utmost respect for those who protested back um, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, back in the, back before 
young generation Z and millennials were around. But I, I will say this in that we live in a world that is more interconnected than ever. And imagine the reach of those protests, of the civil rights movement, of the Vietnam War protests, if there was technology, if yeah. there was TikTok, if there was Twitter. If, if that were the case, that reach would be worldwide and it would reach millions of more people than it already did. And that's the case here. And, and I would say this to any older person who says that young people have it easy or that we're not doing it right. Well, listen, we are doing it right because we are using the tools that we have now at our disposal. This is what we got. This is our thing. Like that is what the Zoomed In podcast is all about. You know, it's a little pun that we are Zoomers, so we're Zooming in, but it's also like Zoom, initially it was terrible and it kind of is still terrible. We know that doing class online isn't the greatest thing in the world, but hey, we're connected. We can talk to each other. You know, Aaron, you're in Miami right now. I'm in New Hampshire and we can do this podcast. We don't have to be together to have this message shared. And that's impactful and that's important. And that gives young people a voice, giving them a platform. It's incredible. And that's why I was so excited. Uh, my friend Harry, who is going to be our guest in a couple of minutes when we bring him on, um, he does an incredible job on TikTok. Um, he uh, is, when we're going to get to that, we're going to get to that interview. So I don't, I don't want to share too much, uh, Aaron, but like, where do you see the future of Gen Z activism online? Where do you think that's going to take us this year uh, and beyond in, in getting voters activated and energized and, and mobilized and getting them to the polls? Yeah, I really think it's going to be on these new apps. I mean, I think that TikTok, um, I think YouTube, I think the, the more video-based platforms are really where a lot of these younger folks are at. I mean, my younger siblings who are 13, um, even my younger brother who's three years old is watching TikToks. I mean, TikTok is where it's at. Yeah, There's it millions of young people on there. And the, the girls that get it, get it. And the girls that don't, don't. <laughs> and the candidates that are on the TikTok and, and that are making TikToks and are appealing to this next generation of voters are raising thousands of dollars. Now, I, I just want to give a, quick example of one, you had a Senate candidate in Florida, Ken Russell, who it by all means is an underdog to Val Demings in the Democratic primary, but he created a TikTok. He has over almost 30,000 followers and he raised thousands of dollars off of TikTok. Why? Val isn't on TikTok. No other Senate candidate is on TikTok. And he's the only one reaching out to younger voters directly. Now, will he win that race? Doubtful, given that Val has the war chest and she is the favorite. However, it just shows that the power uh, of reaching out to this new base. And for so long, the older generations and the old guard have told us, well, young people don't turn out. And young people that are Democrats now turn into Republicans 20 years from now. Well, yeah, that's true. Because if you want us to stop switching parties, if you want us to turn out, then start appealing to us, start passing policies that we identify with and start running candidates that look like us, act like us, speak like us. And on the platforms where we exist. You know, exactly. we've said it before, in 2020, young people showed up in a huge way and got Democrats what they needed, what Democrats wanted, and that was the Senate, and that was the presidency. That's what we all wanted. That's what America wanted. So it's time for Democrats as well to deliver on what we need and what you know we really demand, because action now will mean more for our future than action two years from now, four years from now, six years from now, because like the, the clock is ticking, and we know that. On democracy, the clock is ticking. We need action now. On climate, we can see it. Setting new records in Australia for, what, 124 degree temperatures in a day? We need to act now. Young people are staring at 
forest fires and climate change and we're sweating bullets for like a reason. It's because the hot button issues are hot and we can feel them and they're there. So it, it's time for us to act and it's yeah. time for Democrats in the Senate to act. And, you know, we could talk about the filibuster and what's going on uh, with Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, But I feel like we do that so often. It is important. It is important. And that's why we do it so often. But in a time where we need a little hope, I think what we should be doing right now uh, is giving people that hope. And so we're going to bring on my good friend, Harry Sisson. He is a TikTok activist, a democracy-loving TikTok activist. And this is an awesome interview that I am so excited for you all to hear. Hey, Zoomed In listeners. You know, I've been checking out something that I think is really interesting lately. And you know, sometimes the most interesting things are right under our noses. Like one of the oldest asset classes in history isn't on the radar of most investors. I'm referring to blue chip artwork. That's right, blue chip works of art. The ultra wealthy have used artwork to store and grow wealth for generations. And nowadays, it seems like only the Jeff Bezoses and Beyonce's of the world can afford a Picasso. But that's no longer the case with Masterworks. They're the startup democratizing the art market, giving everyday investors a piece of the art pie or palette, to be metaphorical. You know, their solution is simply making blue chip art investable because contemporary artwork has a low correlation to public equities. Art prices actually outpaced the S&P 500 from 1995 to 2021. And now anyone can add paintings by artists like Monet and Banksy to their profile with, with to their portfolio without paying millions. So you can see why demand for Masterworks has been through the roof. They've already signed up almost 300,000 investors to date. And my listeners, our listeners for Zoomed In receive priority access to their latest offering at masterworks.art backslash zoomed in. Just go to masterworks.art backslash zoomed in and check out their important disclaimers at masterworks.io backslash disclaimer. We are so excited today to be bringing on to the Zoomed In podcast a TikTok activist a democracy-loving TikTok activist, my good friend, Harry Sisson. Harry, thank you for coming on the show, and thank you for all the awesome work you do. Well, thank you for having me on, guys. It's such a pleasure. Harry, I just want to jump right in um, and talk a little bit about news that we heard today. And There was a recent poll that came out that showed that young people under the age of 29, uh, are 60, or 60% of young people under the age of 29 vote blue, whereas only 30, 36% vote for Republicans. What's your take on that? And I mean, is that something you see? Because I know you have a huge platform on TikTok. So talk to us a little bit about that. Well, uh, you know, guys, I think it makes sense. I think the, the polling data is consistent with, with what we're seeing, with what policies Democrats push. I mean, you know, the Democrats are the only people fighting for climate justice, you know, trying to fight climate change and, and you know, trying to get ahead of the curb uh, for how behind we already are. Um, you know, we're also the party that's actually fighting for voting rights, trying to give everyone you know, the opportunity to cast their ballot and make their voices heard, whereas the Republican Party is continuously trying to suppress that around the country. Um, and, you know, the Democrats actually fight for policies that matter to young people, um, you know, trying to make that change that's long lasting. And you can see this in Biden's Build Back Better plan with, um, you know, investing heavily in education, whether it be in climate or anything like that. You know, these are the policies that young people care about because it's going to affect us most. And absolutely. I mean, you know, through you know the the conversations I have with people who might just message me on Instagram or Twitter or whatever platform, I mean they're like, hey, you know, I was never interested in politics before I saw your stuff, and then 
you know, it really made me realize that this stuff matters. And, you know, the policies that you talk about that, uh, you know, other people on the left talk about are important and will actually affect me now, later, um, and my kids and their kids. So, I mean, yeah, the data just, it seems to be consistent through my experience. Yeah. And so aside from the just awesome stuff that you do dunking on like pro-Trump people and anti-vax people, if you haven't checked out those videos, they're absolutely hysterical. Um, talk to us more. You're almost almost at 400,000 TikTok followers. That's amazing. Uh, you Thank do you. An incredible work promoting uh, pro-democracy movements and, and talking about what's in the news and what matters. So how did you get into how'd you get into being on TikTok? Like, where did this big following, how quickly has this happened? And, and like, what have you learned from this whole experience? Well, yeah, I mean, they, well, first of all, thank you. It's very kind. But um, yeah, I mean, I started posting on TikTok, I think in April of 2020, um, I was still in high school and we had just shut down for two weeks, um, <laughs> you know, and um, I was, I, I felt kind of like I wasn't doing enough with the election coming up. I felt that, you know, um, you know, being inside, I had to find a way to make an impact and kind of make my voice heard and advocate for the candidates I cared about. So, you know, I saw other people posting uh, political videos on TikTok and I thought, you know, this is something I can do. Um, so one night at like 11 o'clock at night, I stood in front of my lamp and turned on the camera and started talking about, uh, you know, what was going on in the race. It was the Democratic primary was still going on. Um, and that, and then for some reason, I just started posting every single day. And then, um, I went from once a day to four times a day, and I've kind of stayed at that number for a while now. Um, and I just really, I really fell in love with it. I really enjoyed um, interacting with people and, you know, getting their perspectives. And I mean, you know, like, for example, with you, Jack, we've had some great conversations. We talk about some amazing stories and that would not be possible if, you know, I didn't pursue this and you didn't, you didn't pursue what, we, what you do. But in terms of what I've learned, I mean, I feel like it's just been an amazing experience. Like, so many, so many alleys have opened up for me. I've talked to people at the White House. I've talked to different candidates. I mean, you know, it, it really has helped me learn about like, you know, what matters to the average voter. You know, uh, it's not like, it's not like I'm a massive politician that, you know, maybe on one side of the aisle listens to one side doesn't. I mean, I've talked to people from all across the spectrum and I learned like what really matters to these people um, and, and what do they actually care about? And it's also just helped me learn a lot about um, politics in general. I mean, you know, I was already reading every single day about politics. I had read a number of books about politics and just trying to inform myself. But, you know, staying up with the news every single day and, and posting about it and having to know like what I'm talking about has, it, I feel like it just made me more knowledgeable overall. So I guess that's kind of my biggest takeaway. You know, I was, uh, I was in, I was in DC this weekend uh, and I was getting a cup of coffee and you know, I don't, I don't know how the conversation got started with the, the person that I was talking to, but we were just talking about where you get your news. Is well, I actually get my news uh, from TikTok a lot. You know, that's where it's short, it's sweet, it's easy. I can, you know, consume it how I want. It's just a better platform. Uh, and I said, hey, do you, do you follow my friend Harry? And they said, wait, let me, let me check. Oh, yeah, I've seen that guy before. <laughs> and so I think the impact that you have in getting people mobilized is just so awesome. And, and I think that that is something that we have to continue to do as young people. And I love that you're leading the charge. Well, thank you, Jack. I appreciate that. And couldn't agree more. You know, I, I think that, you know, everybody here and how we we're young and our voices, they, they do matter. And I feel that, you know, they resonate with, with younger folks. So I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, honestly. And let me, let me say something. I, I hear a lot on social media and out in the world that like it, from older people who say like TikTok doesn't matter. 
I mean, young people are just on TikTok. They're just wasting their time. It's not actually going anywhere. I waste a lot of time on TikTok. I mean, yes. Yes, a little, little bit of that is true. A lot of time. I, waste. Sure. <laughs> I also waste about two hours a night scrolling. <laughs> However, from someone who's actually making advocacy videos like you are, uh, what's your message to people who say TikTok doesn't matter? It's all just fun and games. Yeah, I mean, it feels... Um, you know, through my experience, it feels almost like disregarded by a lot of people as, you know, oh, it's just kids. It's, it's not, you know, nothing of, of substance is really taking place on there. But I couldn't disagree more. Um, it, well, the, the beauty of like social media, like, like platforms like Twitter and TikTok is that it really does allow you to interact with everybody. And it's not like um, it's, it doesn't feel out of touch. Um, you know, some, you know, creators on different platforms can feel that they're not really interacting with the people, but I feel like TikTok really, it's not like that. Like anybody in my comments, I, I reply to anybody and everybody in my comment section, and I invite them to message me on Instagram if they have further questions. I mean, um, and, you know, just through that, I've talked to so many people who have, you know, uh, have had an interest in politics grow, um, where it would, it would have never happened before if they hadn't stumbled upon my page or uh, many of my friends on TikTok and their page. So, you know, I think this is something, um, and I recently spoke with um, Won't Be Silent, I think Jack also mm -hmm. um, recently spoke with, and, and, you know, he was making a good point that I think people up in the Democratic Party have to really focus on TikTok and try and um, push some things on there because everybody's on there. Everybody. I mean, kids, voters, anybody. So I definitely think it has a massive impact. And I, and, I mean, you know, we saw with Trump's rally uh, when, you know, people on TikTok posted about reserving tickets and Trump was like, oh, we have a million tickets reserved. And then it was basically empty. Yeah, I mean, Aaron and I were talking like about that earlier. I feel like that was the moment. And, you know, you talked about getting involved in the summer. I feel like that was the moment where it kind of clicked for us. We're like, well, we just embarrassed this guy and he's the president. Like, what can we do next? Right. Like, let's just keep going on this. Right. Like he was utterly embarrassed. That was that was probably a very bad day in the Trump presidency for him. Um, so just like small things like that, you know, it, it really makes a difference. So I think absolutely it needs to be paid, you know, the, the stigma around it needs to be eliminated and, it, and more attention needs to be paid to the platform and the people that use that platform. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, fully, I fully agree. Now, what do you see as the next steps? I mean, like TikTok has been around now for about two years almost. Um, and I mean, it, in a lot of ways, it has kind of reached its limit in terms of growth. What do you see the future of um, digital activism and like social media in terms of like really getting younger folks involved in elections. Cause I mean, a lot a big criticism that we often hear is that young people just don't turn out to vote. Uh, so, so how do you see that playing into in playing a role in that? I think it's just about um, constantly being able to adapt. Um, so you're right. TikTok has probably reached its peak um, in terms of how popular it's going to be. Um, but it's all about adapting to what's new. So whatever the next TikTok is, we have to be on it. We have to be like, okay, that's where people are going. Um, and that's where people are going to start getting their news or, or whatnot. And um, even with the existing platforms, we also have to, I feel like we do have to do a better job adapting there. Um, you know, like engaging more on, on, on Twitter with actual people, um, engaging more on the current, whatever social media platform you'd like with actual people. Um, and I think that gradually will just convince more people to be like, Hey, these, these guys aren't so bad after all, or, or what they're pushing for isn't, isn't terrible, you know? Um, 
So in terms of, I, I don't know what the future holds in terms of where, what the next thing is going to be and, and where the next uh, platform is going to be that uh, reaches the most amount of people. But I guess my hope is that just whatever it is, whenever it happens, we just adapt quickly and make the changes we need to make. Yeah. And, you know, Aaron and I both are kind of from a digital strategy background and, and some of what we've heard from candidates who are not sure if they want to get on TikTok just yet, or, you know, they mostly say like, well, can we raise money off of it is like, well, this doesn't seem like the best platform to do that. We like Twitter, or we like Facebook. But one thing that I think is really unique about TikTok that you kind of said is the way that people are able to connect. It feels a little bit more personable. It feels a little bit more unique. It feels a little bit more authentic. And I think that that's what campaigns usually lack in terms of their ability to organize and mobilize young voters is that authenticity. It's like, it's the old Pokemon go to the polls. It's like, you're not really, you're not really connecting with me right. on that level. Like you, you want to be, but you're not. So if I can get the authentic and real version of you, that's often just what young people want is just like, come and talk to me about the issues that matter most. And let me know that you care. You know, president Biden in Georgia said that he's tired of having quiet conversations. And that makes like two of us, three of us, four of us, we're all tired of the quiet conversations. Like let's actually make this thing happen. And I think that's part of what TikTok can bring. Right. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, it just, it's, it's, it's one of those platforms where anybody can have a voice. Um, and you know anybody can make a change, and you can you can discuss with people from uh, the East Coast, the West Coast, New York, Texas, California, Florida, whatever whatever state. You know, I mean, there's people from everywhere, and you can actually engage in those conversations. And as you said, not have those quiet conversations, not in the you know in in, in quietly in the corner or something like that, but like make it be heard. You know, let let everybody know what's happening, what you think, and 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 whatnot. And so I, I have another question, and um, it's about TikTok. So. Another criticism we often receive and from candidates I personally get, TikTok is bought out by China and the Communist Party. What's your response? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so <laughs> I, uh, I've definitely- Jeez, Aaron. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to put people on the spot because like, I hear this all the time right. and I think this is stupid. Like if China wanted your information, <laughs> would have your information. Like right. uh, young voters. Caught me off guard a little bit. No, I was about question. to say, what is going on? Yeah, if they wanted the information that I like watching, like French toast baking videos, and yeah, they got it. They got me now. Oh no! Right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, it's it's a good question. Um, and I I guess I'd kind of uh, just build off of what Jack just said. I mean, you know, if they want the fact that you watch, even if you're on the political side of TikTok, if they want to, you know, know the fact that you watch left-leaning creators, I mean, okay. If, if they want to know that you watch French, French toast baking videos, sure. Why not? I mean, but in reality, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a fair criticism. Um, obviously I understand that the company, the parent company is based in China. Um, but you know, there's a variety of laws in the United States that protect the citizens. Um, and the company is constantly adapting. I mean, it has an American branch, uh, Asian branch, um, so I guess what I would say to a candidate is that I, I wouldn't be worried about that. I, I'm, I'm not too concerned about them sealing your data or, or anything like that, you know? Um, and so I, I have a question. So for some of our audience who, you know, doesn't use TikTok necessarily yet, um, or obviously there's a lot, like a lot of our audience, young people who maybe aren't on political TikTok, like what, who are your go-to creators, obviously besides yourself? Um, that you think, hey, I want to like get a little bit more news. I want to uh, be more involved in activism online. Like, you know, I love watching, you know, like 
clips from euphoria and like sports highlights, but like, what can I do to get involved on the political side? Like who would you say are your go-to follows obviously besides yourself as well? hundred percent. Um, I think there are some amazing, amazing creators on TikTok. Like genuinely, I feel like they're a million times better than me and they post amazing content. But um, I think, you know, one of the, the, the first people I met on political TikTok was Matthew Rain. I don't know his exact uh, yeah. at, at, off the top of my. Yeah, you guys, I, I feel like you guys probably seen him. He's a great point. guy. He's a great guy. He um, He's really great. Um, an, another good friend of mine, Hannah, her name is Americana Hannah on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, she and I have been friends since like the very beginning. Like we started at the exact same time. So um, I'd also suggest like um, Under the Desk News where, you know, they are they are amazing at what they do. They really give the news in a kind of concise uh, but digestible way where you're not like, oh, my God, what's going on? But it's 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 nice. Um, and I guess the final group I talk about is Gen Z for change. Absolutely. Um, they you know, I have my disagreements with Gen Z for change occasionally, but for the most part, I could not recommend them more. They are a group of really engaged teens and from any background you'd like, any background you'd like, which is great. And they talk about really, really important issues. So off the top of my head, I'm, I'm leaving out so many, but um, off the top of my head, those are people I would definitely recommend just, just to get started and kind of hear what they have to say. That's awesome, Harry. And, you know, this has been an awesome interview and it's been great uh, getting to know you and having our viewers listening to you. So if you don't follow Harry yet, go on TikTok, TikTok Democrat, go give Harry a follow. And then also make sure to give Harry a follow on his Twitter um, because he's trying to build that up. And, and, as we've seen, Twitter is almost as is just as almost as important, if not more important, sometimes. So his Twitter ad is Harry J Sisson S I S S O N. Give him a follow, um, Harry. It's been great. Thanks for zooming in with us tonight. Thank you, appreciate it, brother, guys. I really appreciate it. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. Aaron, I know you do as well, and so does my mom. That product is Athletic Greens. That's because Athletic Greens are awesome. Yeah, Jack, they, they are one of the best products I've tried. And you know, what is this stuff? It's one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Now, this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging, all of these things. So... I personally consume Athletic Greens once a day. I know you do. I know your mom does. And it's honestly the best start of my morning. And, you know, it tastes pretty great. Um, I'm not a huge fan of green juice, but Athletic Greens just, it's- It's the- different, man. And I, I see the difference. The skin, you're looking, it's looking clear. You said on the last pod, the hair, it's a little thicker. Athletic Greens makes a difference. Exactly. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system. Hey, it's Omicron for all, for heaven's sakes, uh, with convenient daily nutrition especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free, love that word, one-year supply of immune system supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash zoomed in. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash zoomed in. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And now it's time for tweets of the week. Our first tweet comes from Philip Germain. Philip says, 
Let's not forget that all 50 GOP senators refuse to vote for voting rights. That's true. We are always going to criticize the shortcomings of Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin, but we have to remember who's really holding us back right now. That's 50 GOP senators, and that's why we need to expand our majority. Well, Jack, speaking of Joe Manchin, I have a tweet of the week coming from Brian Tyler Cohen, who says, Manchin leaning on precedent as an excuse not to reform the filibuster while ignoring the ways that Republicans have completely decimated precedent as it relates to voting rights is all the proof you need that he's missed the forest through the trees. Uh, Brian Tyler Cohen put it perfectly. Couldn't have said it better myself. And our final tweet of the week is coming from my good friend Aaron Parnas. hey <laughs> Aaron says, breaking some critical news right now, Kimberly Guilfoyle's phone records are in the hands of the January 6th committee. She was right. The best was yet to come. And the best is yet to come because those are hopefully going to be some uh, televised hearings and the SmackDown is going to come in the January 6th select committee. And those were our tweets of the week. Thank you so much. That is our show. Thank you to the Zoomed In listeners, every single one of you for making this show possible. And talking about people who make this show possible, thank you to our editor, Adam Sultan, and the brothers at Midas Touch for producing Zoomed In every week. Uh, We are so grateful for our listeners. Aaron, I always say this because it's always true. Our audience, we can see it, is growing every week. So if you enjoy the show, uh, please tell a friend, uh, tell your mom, tell your brother. Uh, maybe your dog likes podcasts. They can tune in as well uh, or tell Big Bird if you're on Sesame Street. Uh, and Aaron, if people want to tell us what they think of the show, where can they find you? At Aaron Parnas on all of my platforms. What about you, Jack? You can find me uh, You can find me on Sesame Street actually talking to Big Bird, my friend. But no, you can find me uh, at JD Cacciarella on Twitter. That's J-D-C-O-C-C-H-I-A-R-E-L-L-A. Or you can find me at Jack Cacciarella on Twitter. Again, on TikTok. Again, thank you so much to the Zoomed In listeners. We appreciate y'all. Uh, and we will see you next Wednesday. Thank you for Zooming In. <laughs>